Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. What can we learn from the first formal worship service in Scripture? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're in part two of our series, Who Were the First Worship Leaders? Today, we're going to be talking about Aaron, the high priest, and the first time that he offered a sacrifice on behalf of Israel. But before we get there, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide, 25 Chart-Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song that you've been doing with your band that's okay, but you wish that it had another level, download this PDF. It gives you 25 great ideas for things that you can do in your arrangement of your song to make it more interesting, to keep people's attention throughout the song. It gives you a couple of sentences about why the trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, with that, Let's get to our topic today, the first worship service ever. So in the Bible, there are many instances of people sacrificing to the Lord. For example, even in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning, you know, Cain and Abel, Abel brings a better sacrifice than Cain did, or Abraham sacrifices to the Lord. But we're going to learn about the first formal worship service. That is when Moses' brother Aaron is ordained as the high priest, and he offers sacrifices on behalf of Israel. So we pick it up in the book of Exodus. We're in Exodus 9, and we're going to start in verse 18. This is talking about Aaron. He slaughtered the ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. His sons handed in the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. But the fat portions of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys, and the coverings of the liver, these he laid on the breasts, and then Aaron burned the fat on the altar. Aaron waved the breasts and the right thigh before the Lord as a wave offering, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions of the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphon, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Athamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the house of Israel, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance of the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. 
This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you must teach the Israelites all of the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Talk about emotional whiplash. Aaron offers sacrifices for all of Israel, and the Lord answers with fire. His glory comes out and consumes the sacrifice that's on the altar. And it says, all of Israel saw it, shouted, and fell on their face. What an amazing, amazing thing to behold. And then right after that, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, offer unauthorized, or it's called strange fire in some translations, before the Lord, and he strikes them down right then and there. And Moses says, you are not allowed, Aaron, to mourn or have your hair unkempt or cry about what just happened. How did we go from such a high to a low so quickly? Well, there are three principles in this passage that I think apply to worship leaders today that I want to discuss. Here's principle number one. Just like Aaron the high priest, Our job is to make the sacrifices of the people acceptable to the Lord. So when you look at Aaron, he takes the sacrifices that are on behalf of all the people, the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, and he sacrifices them in the prescribed manner, right? We're in the book of Leviticus. This is where God lays out the law for Moses and for the whole Israelite nation. Hey, this is exactly how you're to worship the Lord. And Aaron does that by the book. You know, he, he slaughters everything in the proper manner. He sprinkles the blood on the horns of the altar. All of that is exactly the way that God wanted it to be done. Well, our job as worship leaders is very much the same thing today. When we lead people in worship, it is not our worship only that matters. Obviously, we are worshiping God, you know, when we're playing guitar or piano or whatever it is. But we are making the sacrifice of the people, you know, in the New Testament, we talk about the sacrifice of praise. We're making the sacrifice of praise of the people acceptable to the Lord. We do that through our skill on our instruments. We do that through our leadership. But the whole idea, just like Aaron sacrificing the animals, is that we present the people's sacrifice of praise to the Lord in order to make it acceptable. And of course, God answered Aaron with fire. That's a representation of his presence. So how do we know if the Lord finds our worship acceptable? It's his presence. That's how we know. The second principle that stands out to me in this scripture is about rights and responsibilities. Just like Aaron, we worship leaders have rights and we have responsibilities. And a very smart person once said, if you see someone bellyaching about their rights, you can pretty much bet they aren't fulfilling their responsibilities. In Aaron's case, he was chosen by God to be high priest. That was his right. In the Old Testament, there were people who actually came and challenged Aaron's authority to his face, and God did not treat them kindly, we'll put it that way. But that also meant that he had responsibilities. He had a responsibility to do his job according to the law, according to the way that God had laid it out. But with Nadab and Abihu, we clearly see that they weren't fulfilling their responsibilities. They were acting impertinently by giving that unauthorized fire to the Lord, and they got destroyed for it. But let's talk about your worship team. So on your worship team, are there people that are very rights-driven? 
are there people that talk about how they haven't been scheduled lately and how they need to be scheduled for the worship team or how they should be leading a song and not singing background vocals? Are there people that always think they need to hear more of themselves in the monitor or can't understand why you cut that guitar solo? Whatever it is, there's a thousand different permutations of this. But are there people who are really, really focused on what is owed to them or what they deserve? Maybe because of their talent or, I don't know, because of their position in the church. Maybe they're the the pastor's cousin or wife or something like that. Well, let's turn that around. Do those people, those people who are so rights-driven, do they show up early? Do they stay late? Do they set up and tear down? Are they full of gratitude for what everybody else has done? Do they see things that aren't necessarily their job, but they take responsibility for and they get in and they pitch in and they do things above and beyond what they're expected to do? I'm guessing the answer is no. Again, we as worship leaders and anybody who wants to lead from stage have rights but we also have responsibilities, and God takes that very seriously. God took that very seriously with Nadab Nadab and Abihu. And here's the third principle, and the easiest way to explain it is just to read the passage again, what the Lord tells Aaron after his sons are struck down. He says, You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. If we want to walk that same path that Aaron did, if we call ourselves worship leaders and we want to minister before the Lord and before his people, we must distinguish between the holy and the profane and the clean and the unclean. A lot of people who have studied this passage think that Nadab and Abihu might have been drunk when they burned unauthorized fire in front of the Lord. And that would make sense from context, and that would, that would explain why, after this terrible event, God decrees as a statute, you and your sons are never going to drink wine when you come into the tabernacle. Because what does wine do? Wine makes it more difficult for you to distinguish between things, right? When you are inebriated, you don't have full sense of your faculties. You know, some people get angry, some people get cryy, some people, you know, laugh too loud, but you lose all of your social awareness. And if you're too drunk, we don't let you drive, right? Because you can't distinguish between things on the road. Well, aside from the obvious lesson that a person who is ministering should not be drunk, what does that mean for us today? It means that we must, it is critical for us to walk in discernment as we lead worship. When you lead worship, there are dozens of things, little decisions that you have to make as you lead the band, as you lead the congregation, and worship to the Lord. If you want to know what discernment is, please go back and watch my video, What is Discernment? But the short answer is, discernment means sharing thoughts with the Lord. Sharing thoughts with the Lord is how you know the difference between one thing and the other, because we don't by ourselves, right? It's just human nature. We can't get there on our own. When we walk in discernment, when we share thoughts with God and we get his heart, it allows us to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And there are other things aside from alcohol that get in the way of our judgment or our discernment. Things like the fear of what other people think, right? Or trying to please other people. If you live your life and if you lead worship in such a way that you try and make other people like you, you naturally will be manipulated by them and you will try and manipulate them and that will degrade your discernment because our first priority as worship leaders 
is to listen to the Lord as what as to what we're supposed to do, not to other people as to what we're supposed to do. Let me give you a really, really practical thing that will hit home for singers. Let's say that you are a vocalist and you have a worship song that you're singing. And let's say that you're a talented vocalist. And so there are certain flourishes that you're able to do. Well, let's say that you have been singing long enough to know that there are certain flourishes, there are certain things that you can do, little runs or a way that you put a little bit of emphasis on that note, right, on that word, that makes people excited. Music is a very emotional thing, and they can drive emotional responses in people. Now, God likes our emotions or else he wouldn't have given them to us. But like everything else in our life, they can be redeemed or they can be unredeemed. So if you know that you have a certain vocal power that you could put on a note to make people have a certain response. If you were clouded in your judgment by wanting to be liked by people, you might sing the song a certain way. It's the same lyrics, but you might do something different than if you were listening to God and you were asking him, how would you like me to make this sacrifice, this song, acceptable to you on behalf of the people. You see the difference there? It's the same song in the same key, and everybody's singing the same thing. But if we put people first, if we allow that to cloud our judgment and we say, what can I do to perform this so that people will like me and have a response to my song, you would do one thing. Another way How could I do this song so that we make the praises of these people that I'm serving acceptable to God? You might find that you would sing that song a different way. And how do you know between? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. You let Him guide not just what song you sing, but even how you sing it. That discernment and that judgment is something that you have to grow in. Just like God had to grow Aaron to judge between the holy and the profane, he expects the same of us in our worship services. So let's recap. The first principle to draw from this story is that the role of the worship leader, or those who serve the congregation and serve the Lord, is to make the sacrifices of the people acceptable to God. Number two, as worship leaders... And as those who serve before the Lord, we have rights and we have responsibilities. And thirdly, as worship leaders, we must learn to distinguish between the holy and the unholy, the clean and the unclean. And we can only do that by getting closer to God and letting His Holy Spirit guide us and not have our judgment clouded by other considerations. Hey, I hope that video helps you. There's even more to know about the Levites, but we'll grab that in another episode. Again, if you need help with your arrangements, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.